you mind if I, I, I just come aboard, please? Just for us. Hey, welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. Glad to have you around here. Um, I am Billy. I am your friendly neighborhood pirate professor. Maybe not so friendly, depending on the time of the semester. Uh, but right now we're actually just getting things started. And so I'm just going to... Um, we're actually leading off, I guess, with the official lectures of the semester. So this one is actually designed for my intro to multimedia students um i'll label all these things on your syllabus for those who are actually in the class for the rest of you who just happen to be listening on whatever your particular podcast pleasure uh feed is then hey welcome uh back so for those who haven't listened this should be episode three um, for those who listen to the first two, thank you. This is a big, big, fat, hairy experience or experiment in the uh, world of COVID. And so for my students who are just coming around, hey, welcome. Welcome to the semester. Uh, welcome to the weirdness. Just go ahead and embrace it. Um, just when the going gets weird, weird turn pro, at least according to Hunter thompson so that's what we're doing uh one of the things that i like about this particular medium is i'm, I'm just not staring into a webcam going over powerpoint so we're going to talk about the same stuff that we would in class uh but we're just doing somewhat differently um for those that are in the class powerpoint is available on your blackboard shell so you can follow along if you want to uh otherwise you can just listen to this whenever it is convenient for you and whatever works better for your way of being um though one thing i would recommend is go back and listen to the first two podcasts or at least the second one i want to talk about the history of communication because that one really leads up to where we are uh with this particular class uh because this class itself the i mean the course not just particular today uh is about multimedia journalism and specifically kind of uh kind of a broad view what all the parts are and where where it came from um where it came from really is covered in that history part where we are now is where we start talking about today and as the semester goes along we're, we're going to go kind of break it down into pieces and talk about it and it's you're not going to be stuck just listening to me the entire time you're going to i'm going to bring in some people that are working in the field and actually Kind of one of the advantages of this particular uh, format, it's actually a whole lot easier for me to find people out there in the rest of the world who are better at it than me, uh, and they're doing the thing, and I can bring them in and have them talk to you, and we can uh, have some pretty cool conversations. Um, 
and then you guys can just listen and watch and uh, we will be doing some YouTube stuff, so you'll be able to watch uh, those as well uh, on YouTube and also like WebEx uh, for the students who are wanting to watch it in kind of an in-house platform. So just to kind of recap what we talked about in the uh, last podcast is that I went over this history of kind of where communication started from tens of thousands of years ago, so we started kind of everything from writing on cave walls to I don't guess I covered talked about this part but you know like with the the advent of the oral language you know at some point there's a couple of Neanderthals sitting around and one of them hit the other one on the foot and he said ow and language was born or something something like that happened maybe not quite like that I probably should stay in my wheelhouse and not uh what would you call that speculate um but you get the idea. So anyway, time rolls on. Things happen. We get a printing press. We get wired communication, the telegraph, and then the telephone. Then we get radio communication. And that turns into television communication. And eventually that we get the internet. But the internet's not what we have now because it was based on an older platform of phone lines. So it just couldn't handle the, the data loads. You know, evolution goes on and they figure out how to do it. And suddenly um, we have all of these things. So what makes this kind of particularly unique? And this is one of those things that's really easy for us to overlook as a species. Um, Just kind of human beings wandering the earth these days. The reality is... Like any single one of us have more communication power in our pockets on our phones than any single corporation ever had, any human being, any company ever had 20 years ago. Like take the most powerful communication company on the planet 20 years ago. Your smartphone and your internet access give you more communication potential to reach a larger audience than any of them ever could have thought of could literally go global from your Twitter feed or your podcast or whatever it happens to be. You, you have the potential at least to gain that audience. I'm not saying you will gain that audience, but you, your message can get out there. Um, I know like, I know for, I just know, you know, you say same, any, anything in the world can get anywhere else in the world. And that's significant. And I think it's really easy for us to sort of take that for granted these days. Um, because one of the things you have to consider is far as the rest of the world. And we're, I mean, we're basically a bunch of goofballs playing with technology. It's really, really advanced. Um, And so sometimes when we talk about the messaging, we talk about fake news and we talk about all the competing voices out there. The thing to remember is just because they have a microphone and they have the right to have the microphone doesn't necessarily mean they're worth listening to. It's like any, any, anybody can own a guitar. Anybody should be able to own a guitar. 
anybody who owns a guitar should also be able to own an amplifier but let's just be honest for a second not every person who owns an, a guitar ought to plug into an amplifier the problem is especially in the world of communication is kind of like everybody thinks they can do it all you're doing is playing on a computer I've got something to say I'm charismatic and I'm convinced of my ideas and you know the thing is you can convince other people of those ideas and what we're seeing today is sort of this really phenomenal communication technology um, mixing with kind of a general population uh, immaturity like we're, we're handling we're handling technology that we're not all necessarily mature enough to deal with and so the thing that results in that is just a lot of bad information out there a lot of conspiracy theories and it's, it's a lot of just kind of where we are so kind of the hope is this is the point where we're like all right we've got to figure this thing out we have to put it all back together because we we've got anyone in the world can take a photo post it online they can record a video like this or record an audio anything like this online you know it's free largely it's free you can have a YouTube channel for free you can create a blog for free so here we are um, so we're gonna jump in that today uh, but one of the kind of the fun things about this particular platform is I feel like I'm back to my old college radio days and worked in a tiny little radio station on the third floor of campus building and we thought it was two hours it was two hours a week every week and we thought it was the greatest time ever so I think one of the things I'm going to start out with because I've been playing some music and these others is I've actually got some recordings of that old radio show uh, so some of my friends had a band a punk band or I guess the punk is I guess is the prop alternative punk rock whatever you want to call them uh they're a groovy bunch of guys who call themselves monster zero one of them was my roommate he lives in texarkana and i guess he's still working for the family business another one is an attorney now who's neck deep in the world of politics another one is a middle school art teacher in dc and another one is in idaho creating multimedia beauty and it's a pretty cool dude on a bike so um jeff oliver Corey cox jason hutto and eric warren i know you guys are out there somewhere so uh let's listen to a little bandwagon cheese to get this thing going song's called the bandwagon cheese song Keep him in the school They don't seem to understand 
So yeah, that um, that was the Bandwagon Cheese song by Monster Zero, which was recorded live in 1994 on my radio show. And that little shout out thing in the middle of everything's going crazy was, I guess, a 19-year-old version of me, which is both humbling and hilarious to listen to years and years later um so anyway monster zero bless their hearts um monster zero and college radio honestly college radio is one of the coolest things you can ever do if you're if you're working in the communication world or journalism and you're doing if you have the chance to work in the college radio station own that opportunity don't just screw around with it own that opportunity we used to have prisoners from the county jail call in and ask you know and request songs we had the taco bell would play us um it was so much fun so much fun um all right let me back up and try to get a little bit more uh on on focus on task so we're following up on kind of all these different platforms of communication that are out there and we got Time it was all said and done. We've got video. We've got audio. We've got photography. We still we still talk. We still have oral communication. We still have print. We're still writing words on paper. Um, we also I didn't really talk about this, but we get into the world of like infographics and the world of data journalism, where you you and this is for the artists of the world, where you visualize statistical information to make it easier for people to comprehend. Um, but the rise of all this stuff. Um, was exponential in nature. Like if you remember from the last one, you know, when we went from jumps that took thousands, thousands of years to hundreds of years to a few decades to a few years. And then now it's almost like it's every few months. Um, and it's still evolving. Uh, when I started teaching, um, I guess early two thousands, early mid two thousands, it was people like, Twitter had just come out and nobody knew what it was or cared. Like there was nobody on a college campus who, or hardly anyone on a college campus who cared about Twitter because they were all like, um, we've got Facebook. Why do we need Twitter? I mean, it's just sort of like Facebook light. So why would we do that? 
in lord times have changed you know and one of the things that was sort of interesting about i guess really around 2000 or so is that because of the exponential nature and the shift to communication technology at that particular point in time you had three different generations of people living around who had three primary modes of communication um most of them are gone now i guess but you get the like what we'd call the greatest generation uh my grandparents generation the, the uh the era of people who you know lived through world war ii uh as adults or young adults they still primarily were an a print oriented um generation so they these are people who read the newspaper my grandparents read the newspaper every day they subscribe to the newspaper every day but then you get into the baby boomers and they really grew up more on television and so they grew up you know watching um cronkite and guys like that and, and so they primarily got their news from um television and really and honestly mostly you know generation x uh that's exactly what they did as well mostly from tv a little bit from uh, print. And then after that, you started getting millennials who mostly got their information online. What made it significant as far as a kind of a historical standpoint is from for a while, at least, you had... You, you, the industry was pretty much required to produce content that catered to all three generations. Um... And so newspapers were still strong, uh, at least in the early days. Um, they're obvious. They're not now. Um, we can have, we'll have that conversation later. Broadcast is still strong, but it's not. It's not as strong as it was uh, in the early days, at least. You know, the internet stuff was pretty weak, um, but it's evolved a lot, a whole lot now. So, um, and so it's moved from being kind of the minor figure in that. Uh, world to the major one so and with you know digital communication or digital journalism you have the ability for what we could just consider multimedia journalism which is just simply using more than one platform or medium to tell a news story so when i talk about something like a medium um i'm talking about like print is a medium broadcast is a medium and so when we say media, media is actually the plural form of the word medium. So to be perfectly honest, when you say multimedia, it's almost redundant. Um, but you know, but that's the word we got. So that's where we're going to use multimedia journalism. So we, we start intermingling those different mediums. Um, and what makes it kind of interesting is that... Um, each of them have their own strengths and weaknesses. And we'll talk about that more as kind of time goes on. Um, there's things that photography does that video doesn't do as well and vice versa. And there's things that print does that, you know, that video doesn't do. And so it's, and so you learn how to kind of pick and choose those things. And that's kind of, again, part of what we're going to do this semester. Um, you know, by, let's see, when was it? the thing about around 2000 or so one of the things that happened as a result 
of the rise of the internet communication and the World Wide Web. So with web communication, the consumption of news and information starts dramatically ticking upwards. Um, even though at that point, traditional news media outlets are starting to shrink. Uh, the thing to keep in mind about old media, let's, we'll just talk about print journal, we'll print radio and television. These are what we'd consider old media. So newspapers are pretty expensive to maintain. Um, you've got the reporting, so you've got you've got to pay people. You've got to pay the reporters. You've got to pay the people who are setting up the paper. The actual printing press side of that, um, there is a lot of that is outsourced these days. But in the old days, a lot of these news, you know, local newspapers did their own house in-house printing. Um, and even today, a lot of the newspapers that are still alive are the ones who also print uh, the editions for the other papers. Uh, so here where Arkansas Tech is, the Courier is a uh, still a daily, mostly a daily newspaper. Um, it's still, it's kicking out papers, but it's not the paper it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you'd walk in that newsroom and there was probably, you know, 15, 20 people there, multiple photographers on working every single day, multiple, multiple reporters, you know, a, a managing editor who was in charge of the newspaper. And that's what they did. They had all of these things going. And now you walk into that same pa that same building and it's sort of a ghost town. I mean, there's like three or four people in there, you know, they may have somebody working the front desk, you know, the building looks the same from the outside, um, but chance there's actually more people running the printing press in the back than there are actually reporting the news. And so this gets into sort of where we are and what's going on and kind of why things are the way they are in the world of journalism. Um, broadcast television stations are incredibly expensive to maintain. Um, it's not necessarily expensive to, you know, push that signal out but what's expensive expensive is all the equipment you have to have to do it uh, cameras can run tens of thousands of dollars each uh, for good video cameras and then you've got then you've got all your other stuff that goes along with it and then top of that's you know payroll and all the other stuff <sighs> but the one that was always kind of it was able to hang around and it still hangs around and I still have a lot of Faith and Hope for is radio, just traditional FM, AM, FM radio. Um, because it really, like, it's not nearly as expensive to produce. Uh, and the equipment, it's expensive, but it's not as expensive as, like, television. Um, but now we've got the web. This seems to be kind of part of the best of all of those things combined, or at least best or worst. It has all of them. So as time goes on, you know, we're able to consume more and more stuff um, because with the thing about new media is it creates this opportunity for more people to produce content than used to be able to. Uh, now, like I said, anybody, I'm sitting in my cabin in the middle of nowhere uh, with a satellite internet uplink and I'm producing all this stuff. I've got satellite internet and a 
pretty decent computer and microphone and I can do all this stuff. So that wasn't possible at all um, just a couple of decades ago. So more people are consuming information. It's not necessarily because more people are also creating information. It's not necessarily always as good of information. Now, the other side of that is we've got the rise of mobile technology. So um, cell phones are, you know, the actual talking on the phone is sort of a minor um, application for uh, what we'd consider, a, you know, whatever iPhones or Androids or whatever you happen to be using. So, you know, now everybody, everybody's got a phone. And that's the other thing as far as news and news collection is everyone in the world, everyone has a camera. Everyone's got a microphone. So, you know, there's so much more that you see today, partially because the ability to capture that information is so much more prevalent. Um, before, you know, hardly anybody carried around a camera, you know, especially if, you know, you had that film camera. The fact that you can just pull your phone out or the fact that a hundred people can pull their phones out at any particular moment in the same location and record something is significant. We'll just say it's significant. That's, all, that's, that's enough to say about it. Um, the other thing that's caught that's sort of been a result of this is this trend toward multi multimedia consumption or where we've also got multitasking. And so people are trying to consume multiple forms of media at the same time, which I can, I can tell you it's kind of a bad idea because your brain just doesn't really work that way. All studies point to whenever you sort of bifurcate your brain to consume multiple things at the same time, you're not consuming them equally. Um, you're not consuming like if you're if you're reading a book while listening to the radio, you're not going to consume the book at the same level that you would have been, and vice versa. So you're just breaking things up. You're getting everything a smaller, smaller piece, even though you may feel like you're getting it. Um. So one of the things that's happened within the news industry of the world of journalism, and there's a lot of things that have happened in the past 20 or 30 years, uh, and we'll talk about some of that stuff again as the semester goes on the rise of cable news changed a lot of things the rise of the internet changed a lot of things um and so and the profit margins started getting smaller and smaller and smaller so what that's led a lot of news companies to do is they're sort of all struggling for relevance uh when everyone can create media what is the role of the professional journalist, the professional media um, producer? You know, and so they have to start thinking about all the different ways they're going to they're, they're going to try to start telling stories. Because at the end of the day, we're storytellers. Um, one of the other you know ways to describe journalism is we're the first draft of history. Um, things happen, we record it, do the best we can, but then we move on because something happens tomorrow, and we move on and move on, and then you know. And then you have retrospect where you try to go back and figure out exactly what you got right and what you didn't get right. Um, and even today, like we're even there's like using gaming, like you know, video games are so uh, popular these days that they're even looking at you know forms of gaming uh, as ways of telling stories in the news. Um, I'm doing a lot of umming. I'm gonna have to work on that. Part of the drive in the increase 
for relevance is when the internet, like I talked about in the last podcast, I left for college in 1992. I graduated in 96. I had my first functional um, email address in 96. And I bought a computer. I went to college as a freshman with a typewriter. And as a senior, I took out a loan for like $2,000 and bought a computer. Um, one of the things that I remember when I bought that computer, and this sounds ridiculous to probably a lot of you, uh, the younger of you, but the fact that my computer had a color monitor, like I can actually see things in color, was earth shattering. And one of the things it came with everything before was these monochrome um, screens so everything was just either green or orange text um, but this one was in full color and it came with a cd-rom uh, have encyclopedia britannica on it and i stuck that thing in and it was it felt like scrolling the web for the first time I didn't have internet access. Remember this, I had a computer, but I did not have internet access. Um, but I was able to go through this encyclopedia CD, uh, CD-ROM with a all this information, all these articles, pictures. I think it probably even had some videos in there, probably kind of small videos. But I re legitimately remember sitting up half the night just clicking through all this stuff. And that was just sort of one of those moments that everything kind of changed. Um, by 2000, again, we were starting to get high-speed internet moving into the world at that point in time. Um, by the year 2000, more people were consuming information through the web than they were in newspapers. Um, again, one of the things that's sort of weird to think about in retrospect, but when the web first came out, a lot of people looked at it as just sort of this fad, it's going to go away, don't worry about it. Uh, especially within the media world and the newspaper world, especially just sort of looked at it as an annoyance. Uh, and then it got left behind. And so by the year 2000, more people were, were consuming information via the internet than they were through newspapers. And so from a professional standpoint as, as media practitioners and media producers, content producers, one of the things that sort of happened is this, this, this requirement or really need for us to create more to be better than we were. So when I went to college, like you, you legitimately went, are you going to be a print journalist or are you going to be a broadcast journalist? Are you going to learn to do video? Are you, and are you going to, write your because broadcast news writing and print news writing are kind of two completely different animals and then there was this you know photojournalism so if you want to be a photographer there's this other path but really those are kind of it now now you got to do all kinds of things so you, pretty much everybody needs to know how to shoot video they also need to know how to shoot photography do take photography take photos be a, a solid photographer and be able to write well uh even though newspapers are going away uh print journalism is not print journalism is the primary style of writing ap style of writing that you see on the web at least it's a 
proper source. And again, what's a proper source? We'll get to that later. Um, so it's, there's been this requirement for people like me to learn how to do more than one thing. So I was a broadcast journalism major when I started. And I was really good at like editing video, producing video and all that stuff. I am, I'm not even lying that two years after I graduated college, everything in the video world, because when I learned we used VCRs, we had these little controller decks and everything was manual. So it was what we'd call analog uh, video editing. So you're, you're in a booth, you got these kind of a stack of VCRs. One you had a program monitor and a, and a, and a preview monitor and, and you set and you legitimately edited videotape all day long. Um, two years after I graduated college, that technology was rendered absolutely obsolete. So everything moved from that world to computers. And so I had to completely relearn how to do everything. And so, and nothing has shown me in the time since that that is changing. So one of the other things is you got to learn how to learn and never stop learning. Um, that part can kind of get annoying because there's a point you're just like enough already, but here we are. Um, but since then, I was talking about the other day or a while ago was that the fact is web reporting is, or I'm sorry, cell phones, is the absolute fastest innovation out there. Um, and it's kind of amazing how much I can do with my, my iPhone these days. Um, you can record interviews, you can edit interviews, you can do it. I can do, I can take really good photos with my iPhone. I can edit them um, with my phone. I can do all of this stuff and I can publish them and I never have to walk into a building. I can do it anywhere I've got a cell signal pretty well do it which is pretty cool actually um it still seems neat to me i mean again for younger generations this is old hat but if you remember what things were like versus what they are like it's pretty amazing and it, again it's it's easy to overlook so as young journalists there's pretty much there, there's a list of things that you need to know um and if you're following along in the PowerPoint at the very beginning, I think I put this on there. Uh, I went out and asked a bunch of people that I know that worked in the field. These are people who hire people like you when you're getting out of college. And I asked them, I'm like, you know, what are the things that you want your applicants to know how to do? And their answers were their answers. Um, you go back and read those. For the rest of you, it kind of boils down to this. You, you need to have strong writing skills. Uh, like legitimately, you you got to know your grammar. You need to know how to spell. You you need to be able to sit down and knock out a story. And you need to learn how to not to complain about it. You just do it. You do the work. You've got strong writing skills. You know how to tell a story. Writing is more than, it's, it is a science and an art. Learn how to write the written language or this in, in a way that conveys meaning to people efficiently. You also need to know how to, the best way to tell stories over multiple platforms and multiple mediums. Like you need to understand the strengths and value, the strengths and weaknesses of each, each medium. 
you also need to learn how to develop some proficiency with some multimedia tools. Like the reality is that this stuff is always changing. If you follow Adobe, they're constantly coming out with stuff. Uh, it used to just kind of be Photoshop and Premiere, and now it's there's so many different things they can do. They've got the one I, I need to learn to animate, or you can do animation in real time. How amazing is that? Um, also, here's here's one of the biggest ones, and this is this is one of the things that I would say that public schools don't prepare my students for often enough. Is you have to learn how to be flexible, confident, adaptable, and versatile. So if you're a journalist and you're showing up to talk to somebody, there's a really good chance that they don't really care if they're going to talk to you or not. They're not necessarily going to give you as much attention as you feel that you deserve. Uh, and sometimes things fall apart. Sometimes stories change. Sometimes you realize the facts you were handed are not the actual facts. Or let me rephrase that. The information you were handed turns out not to be accurate. And so they're not the facts. And so you have to shift and you have to adapt. And you have to learn how to do that kind of stuff on the fly and without melting down or freezing. So you got to learn how to go with flow. And in this particular world, you got to learn how to mine and understand complex data sets. And those things are, this is where we get into like the accounting level of journalism. Like you've got to learn how to figure out numbers statistics polling you have to learn how to go to the courthouse and dig out information and report on that information you gotta learn how to gauge the community pulse you've got to learn how to figure out how to turn numbers into stories you know covid's going on right now and and numbers just feel like numbers uh and this is where things like infographics really come into play is that you can take those statistics and you can learn how to put them into um, meaningful um, creations, like stories that have sort of a meaning to them. You know, if you hand somebody an Excel sheet with just a kind of spreadsheet with a bunch of you know statistics on it, it doesn't really mean much. But if you lay it out in a way that visualizes it for them, um, you can really bring people to a, a kind of a lot deeper understanding a lot faster than other than other ways and here's the other thing it's just a reality kind of a nuts and bolts reality this you're going to create a lot of digital files this sort of is like what huh yeah the fact is that you may go out and take a hundred photos a day you may shoot you know multiple shots of video you've got story after story after story after partial story after thing you've abandoned uh and this is going to go on for years and so if you wrote a story about that one thing or took a photo of that one person and 10 years later you need to know where that photo is where that story is you need to learn how to find it and learn how to make sure that you still have it and kind of one of the last things is just simply be able to assess the multimedia potential for a single story and determine you know which what's the best way to tell the story uh we'll talk about storytelling in, in this class we'll talk about kind of the uh, the narrative arc we'll talk about you know what makes stories click with people and so what you want to do it's kind of like searching for the right word you want to search the right way to tell it you want to search the right platform the right medium should it be a video story 
Should it not be a video story? Should it be a print story? Should I just cover it in, in photos? What what should what should the story be and why? What's the most appropriate way? And honestly, that's kind of that's it. Not well. It's one of those things. It's easy to cover in a little a little bit of time, but it's going to take a lifetime to master. That you've got to, you've got to figure out writing, photography, video audio and infographics and each one of them kind of has an infinite set of problems underneath them you know audio it's what we're what we're doing now the best way to record something what kind of microphone do you use what kind of mixing equipment do you know how to use adobe audition do you know how to use filters do you know how to do these things do you know how to edit stuff do you know what's ethical and what's not ethical as far as way of editing things these are all questions that we have to ask ourselves um, because at the end of the day, our job is to tell the story. Our job is to be the first draft of history. And even in the weird world that we work in, like the thing that we really need to do is not just tell stories, but try to tell them as, as well as we can. Um, and then when we don't tell them as well as they should be, we need to learn how to fix that. Um, so tell a good story i guess one of, the, one of the biggest pieces of advice i give my students and this is the thing especially if you're young and you're just starting out there's a couple of things i need to tell you first of all you're going to suck ass when you start like the things that you write are going to be terrible you may think they're good i can promise you they're not if you go back and read stuff you wrote 10 years from now, you're going to laugh at yourself. Just like if I listen to that radio show at the beginning, it's, you just laugh at yourself. That's the best thing you can do. So don't take yourself too seriously and just realize that you have room to improve. So you're going to suck at first. And the only way it's going to get better is by doing a lot of work. And the second thing is, Remember that this is a craft. Learn your craft. Don't walk into it thinking that you know everything already because I can assure you, you don't. Don't be like all the other people out there who's got it, who have a YouTube page and suddenly in our camera and suddenly think that they're professionals. There's so this goes so much deeper than most people understand. And it's our job. It's our job to kind of, rise above all that so learn how to tell your story and learn how to tell your story well um, because well we don't want to suck right if you're going to do this if you're going to go through all this time and effort learn how to do it well all right all right then i'm going to take us out with another song from the era of my youth or my college days uh, seems somehow appropriate this is sugar if I can't change your mind see you next time folks <laughs>